Hey y'all, welcome to Poetry for Black Girls, a conversation where we discuss poetry, healing, and everyday tips that you can incorporate into your life to make life a little less stressful. I am your host, Angelina, a licensed social worker and a black girl. Here we go. Hey y'all, I just wanted to talk to y'all about social anxiety. Um, That's something that I've been dealing with, and I haven't been able to put words to it um, until recently. I told y'all I had been seeing my therapist, and as I began to explain things to her, um, she finally told me that she felt like I had been dealing with some social anxiety, and I've definitely had an episode on here where I've talked to y'all about anxiety and how I am, how I have been coping with it. Um, I had took a trip to just kind of get away. Uh, I had a lot of things on my mind, a lot of stressful events that happened at work. And since then, I have been seeing a therapist. Um, and I just got some nuggets and things that I wanted to share with you all um, about social anxiety disorder just in case maybe you may see some signs of that within yourself um, and just some things that I've been doing to cope with it. So here we go. So I just like to say that I am in no way uh, giving medical advice or professional advice. I'm just sharing information that I've learned in my personal experience. I first want to start with the definition of um, social anxiety disorder given to us by the Mayo Clinic. Um, so social anxiety disorder or social phobia is a chronic mental health condition in which social interactions cause irrational anxiety. For people with social anxiety disorder, everyday social interactions cause irrational anxiety, fear, self-consciousness, and embarrassment. So I definitely call myself an introvert, um, and my therapist uh basically told me that she felt like you know I could be an introvert but it's also giving signs of social anxiety disorder based on the things that I had shared with her and so for me it definitely showed up as I get a lot of my energy from being alone um which is a sign of being introverted but it was a little step further which was Being around people made me super anxious. I constantly replayed the interactions with them in my head over and over again. Um, Just kind of being, having this irrational fear that what you had shared with someone would reflect badly on me um, to the point to where like I couldn't even sleep because I'm focusing on the interactions I had had with people. So it was to the point to where not only is it just a nuisance to talk to people, but it was so frightening to the point to where I was avoiding talking to people. And I w- even when I would do it, it would give me so much like anxiety afterwards that it would just be something that I wouldn't want to do again. So, for example, um, work interactions or even everyday interactions, just kind of talking to strangers. Um, I'm not really sure where it stemmed from for me, 
But those interactions became so draining to the point to where I feel depressed. Um, I realized that I was sleeping a lot. And I definitely told y'all about, you know, getting your getting your blood levels checked and making sure that you have, you know, adequate vitamin D and B12. And those were things that I had deficiencies in. But even after I started taking my supplements for like six months, I still kind of felt this gnawing feeling of just fatigue and anxiousness. And so I'm really happy that I did start seeing my therapist because I felt like I've been having this nagging feeling of anxiety for years, but I haven't been able to put words to it. And for me, um, an incident that happened at work really put the nail on the head for me and really brought out um, those symptoms of social anxiety that I have even more so. Um, I had felt like I wanted to work from home and my therapist told me that she felt like <laughs> I was wanting to work from home in order to avoid people. And I do think that is the main roots of why I was avoiding, you know, in the office jobs and wanting to work from home so bad. But the thing about me is, I guess you would consider me to be high functioning. And so I think that it could be detrimental to assume that people that actually do well in school, people that do well in their jobs, they maybe even lead um, lead projects or lead meetings or supervise people or talk to people, right? Like my job causes me to do all of those things. You would never assume that I have social anxiety. It is detrimental to assume that those people are not still struggling, because we are like we do the things, but it still causes us so much angst and worry after we do them. And so it's easy to think that a person is OK. So that's what I say, like, check on your strong friends, <laughs> you know, be careful what you say to people because you never know what they're going through. Um, and it may seem like a person has it all together, but they really don't. And for myself, I get up and I go to work every day. You know, I finish graduate school like I'm excelling and I'm doing well, but it could have been easy for me to neglect myself and to say, well, I'm still getting up and I'm going to work every day. So I don't have a problem versus being honest with myself and realizing like, it's hard for me to sleep. It's hard for me to turn off my thoughts. It's hard for me to think about anything else other than work. And I think for me, being in a community with other people and kind of, you know, seeing what they deal with. Like, I remember I would ask my friends, like, do you deal with this? Like, is this, is this, is this going on with you? Like, is it hard for you to, you know, shut off things? Or um, are you constantly worried and overthinking things? And when I noticed that other people were not living the life that I was living, I realized that life could be different. <laughs> so, um, and also my level of anxiety has increased. So it didn't always used to be that bad. But since it had increased, um, I knew I needed to talk to somebody. And I just hope that if you're dealing with 
you know, overthinking or not being able to turn your thoughts off or having this irrational fear of talking to people. When you're done talking to people, you are constantly worried about what they think about you or, you know, that that conversation is just going to be the end of all things. It's like, you know, kind of catastrophizing. Um, I hope that if you are having those thoughts that you do talk to somebody because you never know what is really going on. And sometimes it takes a professional to put things in context with you for you. I this is like my third therapist as an adult, and she's the first one to point this out to me. So me and her have worked through quite a few things. Um, I've shared with y'all some statements that she has um, imparted in me, which are, you know, what I'm willing to do, what I'm not willing to do, what I must have, and what I can't live without. And that's just I feel like those statements help me really set boundaries with others and with myself because I feel like with social anxiety, it's been really hard for me to make decisions. Like, and when you have values that you have clearly um, lined up, it's easier to have something to measure your decisions up to. So if you know what you must have, and somebody is offering you something else and it doesn't align with what you must have. For example, I must have a good night's sleep or I must have eight hours of sleep and somebody's asking you to pull a double and now that's interfering with your sleep. Easy decision. I won't be able to do that. You know, or I must have peace in my home and you got... (laughs) This hobosexual asking you to move in with you. (laughs) Um, When I say hobosexual, I mean people that literally want to be with you because they need a place to stay. That's a real thing. And it's like, no, I need peace when I come home. So I'm not taking on any more kids. I'm not I'm not allowing people that don't pay rent or that I don't want to be with to live in my home. Then that you measure what you must have, which is peace, to what someone's offering you, which is to interrupt your peace. And that's a quick decision. So um, that just cognitive behavioral therapy, right? Like challenging your thoughts, uh, behaviors, and feelings in that type of therapy has been helpful and is proven to be helpful for social anxiety disorder. And so I think just even processing with her and coming up with different skills uh, has been super helpful. Ooh, meditation has been beautiful. And what I learned recently, listening to this book, um, The Mountain is You, How to to Stop Sabotaging, (laughs) How to Stop Self-Sabotaging by Brianna Weiss. Um, She states that we should meditate to feel and not meditate to escape our feelings. When you meditate to escape your feelings, you are perpetuating the cycle of self-sabotaging. So you are avoiding your feelings. And the only way to process them is to feel them. And I I would say for myself, I was... um, using meditation to avoid my feelings instead of 
um, feel my feelings. And so I'm going to put that book in the show notes. And I'm also going to put this one, um, this one meditation that I really like. It's on the Inside Timer, Insight Timer app. Um, and it's about, it's about healing your trauma. And it's the first meditation that has ever made me cry. <laughs> and I decided to choose it because it allowed me to feel my feelings. Um, and it was a really good release. And I really think I needed it. And in the meditation, she asks you to imagine your future self. And to sit down next to your future self. And to basically allow your future self to tell you what you need to hear. (laughs) And I would say for me, um, being a person that is actively you know, um, overcoming social anxiety. Um, I saw my future self and she was past it. You know, she was in a place where anxiety was not a big deal for her. She was over that mountain. And to me, it helped me realize and feel the feelings that I have around anxiety you know, around the sadness and around the fear and around just the grief of being in a state of mind and wanting relief. And then knowing that there was some place on the other side, there was a future me on the other side that is there. And that is just so liberating. Um, It's kind of like inner child work where you go back and you talk to your younger self and you give yourself what you needed. And once I finished that meditation, I cried and then I journaled about it. And the um, the guided meditation prompts you to journal about your experience. And y'all, when I say it was just such a good experience, like I was I would also say I did not always used to be good, quote unquote, at meditating. Um, I could not <laughs> focus on my breath or focus on the place that the guide that the guide is asking me to go. I will also I will always get so distracted <laughs> and um thinking about what I need to do in the future and what I need to do in the past, which is a symptom of anxiety, right? Worrying about things that I cannot control or things that are not here, which is completely not the point of meditation. But um There's no wrong way to do meditation. Even if you are doing that, even if you are getting caught up in the future, in the past, when you meditate, that's good. That is good for you to notice it because you're going to come from that place. You're going to get to a place where for 30 more seconds, you can focus on your breath. For one more minute, you can focus on the present moment. For two more minutes. You know, you have to work your way up to being able to focus um, on what the guide is telling you. If you're listening to a guided meditation or if you're doing your own just breath work and you're focusing on your breath and you're counting in and out, um, just focusing on your the voice inside your head that's counting the numbers and breathing in and breathing out. 
Like you'll you get better and better at being present and being in the moment. And I would say I've been meditating for about two years now. So happy that I started doing it as a daily practice. Um, That's also very helpful for social anxiety because it keeps you present versus being anxious keeps you in the future. Being worried keeps you in the past. (laughs) So that's been super helpful. Another thing that I have learned from the book, um, how to to stop self-sabotaging, is that change happens in micro doses. So, like I said, with the meditation, um, if you want to get better at meditating or you want to add meditation to your um, your daily routine, then do, do it in doses that are manageable and sustainable in the long term. And that's what they say in the book. Like, meditate for one day. I mean, not Monday. Meditate for one minute. And if you could do that, just add one minute, add two minutes, add three minutes, add five minutes. And that's just enough, you know, time where it's not too strenuous and it doesn't feel like you're exerting too much energy, but it can also be added on. And so little do you know, you know, now you're meditating every day for 30 minutes or an hour. And for me, at this point, I'm meditating every day for about 10 minutes. I may do 10 in the morning, 10 at night. Um, I fall asleep (laughs) at about 20 minutes. Haven't gotten there just yet. Maybe with a little bit more therapy um, and calming my anxious mind, I'll be able to get there. But I'm capping out at about 20 minutes right now. So it's it's okay, too. Um, But it also comes with, you know... If you want to check your phone list, like she says in the book, to deny yourself one time, you know, to not check your phone. And then it can start to become a habit because your brain is focused on what it what it's always done. That's why you're going to do what you've always done. So if you deny yourself, you know, to look at your phone one time, now you can deny yourself several times. And back on the topic of social interaction and social anxiety, um, I will say another way that I have reframed my thoughts is with based on a conversation I had with a friend. <laughs> Me and this friend was having a talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, about me having social anxiety, and he said that. Um, he looks at interaction with people as an opportunity to learn how people got the way they are. And it's an opportunity to meet a new person and to learn something new about them. And so it puts the interaction off on the other person and the focus is not on you. And I think that that was really influential to me because for me, talking to other people was all about me. (laughs) Like if I was going to mess up, if I was going to say something wrong, if I came off, you know, sounding stupid or sounding like I didn't know what I was saying or put my foot in my mouth or if I offended somebody, like, you know, 
the whole interaction was about me. But when he said that, I challenged myself to literally like the next person that walked up to me to think about, hmm, what am I going to learn about this person today? And literally the next person that walked up to me was my neighbors that I don't care for interacting with. They've literally done nothing wrong to me, but just the anxiety just has, I have this like, I don't know, um, this, this taste for interaction with people that I don't know or may cause me some type of inconvenience. This is really irrational, honestly, now that I'm processing it, (laughs) but, um, they, she spoke to me and it was a much longer, um, speaking to me. She was like, Hey, how are you? How was your day? And it was just like, as if we were friends kind of type thing. And I just was like, huh, okay. Maybe she wants, maybe she feels comfortable with me or maybe she wants to have more of a dialogue. Like, I don't know. Maybe that was her entryway to um, say something to me further the next time. But that was just me learning about her. It was not me thinking about me. And so it took the pressure off me completely. Um, and the same way, next time somebody walked up to me at work, same thought process, and it was actually a positive interaction. And so I'm like, okay, people aren't so bad. <laughs> um, but I think another part of me is so used to trauma and so used to things being bad that now it's like, oh my gosh, things are good. Like, so life isn't that bad. Well, what am I supposed to hyper fixate on now? <laughs> so that's just kind of where I am now. And it's definitely something that I got to work through in therapy. But I'm just trying to enjoy life. I'm trying to enjoy the good. You know, when, when things have not been so good for so long, we don't even know how to enjoy them. So I'm definitely working on trying to fixate on the good um, and maybe freeing up that space in my life where anxiety has taken up so much will offer me space to create and find my passion and figure out what it is I want to do with myself and my life. So I hope that, you know, just hearing my journey um, in therapy and in meditation and learning that I have social anxiety disorder, kind of the ways that I have uh, seen it show up in my life and some ways that I'm coping with it um, are beneficial to y'all. I will be keeping y'all updated as life goes on. Um, I'm interested to learn more about myself and just learn um, different ways to cope with different things. So I will talk to y'all in another episode of Poetry for Black Girls. Bye. Well, I hope y'all enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. If you did, please leave a comment, leave a rating, and share the podcast on any social media platform using the hashtag Poetry for Black Girls so I can share it, connect with you, and we can reach other Black girls. All right. Thank y'all. Bye.